Hello and welcome to Rally for Results. I'm your host, Claire Richards, and I'm joined today by Kristen Brown, who is a best-selling author, a renowned keynote speaker. She's an energy master and she's a biohacker. I'm so excited to have Kristen Brown on today. I've had the pleasure of hearing her speak before. She is so dynamic and I know she's going to have a lot to share that's really relevant to right now. What companies are going through because of COVID, because of all of the mess that we're in. I know Kristen has been a valuable resource to many companies in how they've reacted and evolved in these crazy times. So Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Hello, Claire. I'm so excited to be here. We're finally doing this during these crazy times. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm finally getting the whole Zoom recording thing down. It's been a process, but here we are. Yeah. So I thought we could just start maybe by having you tell us a little bit about you. Awesome. Well, I was in corporate for 15 years, so I'm very familiar with the corporate clients I work with, the one-on-one -on -one people I work with that are in really high-pressure jobs, and you know the, the lifestyle that creates a lot of stress sometimes. And you know, being in corporate isn't a definer of having stress, but having lots of things that come upon you throughout your life, having to integrate work and life, having to take on the responsibilities of parenting as lifestyles evolve, looking at what's happening right now. You know, I've, I've been uh, blessed and cursed with some very challenging times in my life. And I left corporate America as an evolutionary step in my life journey where I was in corporate for 15 years and then I was unexpectedly widowed when my 30-year-old, tall, skinny, college athlete husband died of a heart attack. And it was 13 years ago, so I can talk about it now without being a big ball of tears. But at the time, we had a brand new 10-month-old baby. I was in a really high-pressure leadership role at my company that was based in New York, and I was in Minneapolis. I had one of our biggest clients. And just two weeks after my husband died, I got a new boss who wanted me to travel more and take on more clients. And so it was like this perfect storm of professional and personal massive stress happening at once. And it was a curse, of course, it was terrible, but it was also such a blessing because it really started me out on this path of figuring out, like, how do you really create the, the integration that you need? And work-life balance is such a, a myth. That term balance is such a myth that it really set me on a path of research. I'm a research nerd by by nature and by education. I was in corporate espionage when I was in corporate, which was really market research, but corporate espionage, doesn't that sound cooler? <laughs> and so that research that I've done my whole life as a scientist, as a, an analyst has served me now for the last eight years. I left corporate America about eight years ago as the, an energy mastery expert, a biohacker, a stress expert, and a best-selling author and speaker that helps companies and individuals really figure out how to make that work-life integration work, manage change more effectively, be more resilient, and just all of the things that go along with that so that you can show up to work in your personal life as a stronger leader, more productive, all that good stuff. So did you feel like that shift happened? You know, obviously you go through this incredibly painful experience. And then on top of that, things start to pile on. There's more stress at work. Your boss has these kind of crazy expectations, right? And and so your reaction to that was to sort of lean into that problem and be like, I need to help other people solve this. 
that right? Initially, you know, I, I suffered through those first couple of years after he died, not having any clue about anything I do right now. I mean, just at that about that time is right when the term work-life balance was starting to hit HR departments and was just starting to be in the media. And Oprah was just starting to talk about it. So I, it's what I call like the first wave of corporate wellness is when the work-life balance term started to come out. And that was right about the time my husband died. So for a couple of years, I was still in corporate and I was trying to figure out like, oh, why don't I feel work-life balance? And I was frustrated and I was just trying to solve my own problems. <laughs> and then I was through a series of really weird things. Like I went to surf camp, which I live in Minnesota. So when am I going to ever use those skills again? <laughs> but this, this trip to surf camp was really one of those crazy, like divine, holy bleep situations where you're like, all this stuff cracked open for me on that trip, mainly when I was getting like pounded around in the ocean and like almost died. But it was through things like that that kept popping up and I kept having these revelations. And then on the side, I started researching stress and this term balance and was like, that's not the right word. And the world as a whole was starting to evolve from that term as well, even though we use it because it's a default term it's always been an evolution of what work and life look like playing together. And right now we're in a time where, whoa, like our work and life, like we have to, we're figuring that out like a crash course. So it certainly wasn't like, oh, suddenly I was like, I got to help other people. It was a, you know, for the first two years I suffered through it. Then I started getting cracked open kind of over the course of the next couple of years. Then I started speaking on the side just on weekends for free. I didn't know real people could get paid to be a speaker. And then I realized like, oh my gosh, normal people are doing this as a job and getting like thousands of dollars for sharing this expertise. And then I started getting serious and I was still in corporate. I went back and forth between corporate and my own business three times before I finally left uh, eight years ago. And I say I'm still in corporate because I'm still serving corporate in mm -hmm. just with my own business. So, so it was an evolution for sure. Not a, oh, I better help people with this based on my own situation that I was in. It's interesting you say, you know, this idea of balance is is sort of maybe fallen out of favor or it was like highly used and now it's it's not as used. I think about my own experience and my coworkers and it's similar. It's like, well, what is work-life balance? It all sort of blends together. And so, you know, I think maybe in some industries that's more prevalent than others. If you're working a trade job and you you go into an office and you work while you're there and when you leave the office you you go home to your family versus uh, i think about um, what i do every day and what many do which is like you're always thinking 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 about what you do for a living yeah for sure and i think uh when you think about work-life balance it gives you this image that there's a bucket of work and a bucket of life and there's these two things and you have to decide like what's going in where and what time frames are going to go over here and what time am I over here? It's just one big bucket. Like you said, it's all one thing. And so it actually causes more stress and more demand on our brain to think about prioritizing into work or life than it does if we say, okay, it's all one thing. And I just have to decide what floats to the top at any given time. It's all in there, but what takes top priority right now while the other stuff just kind of hangs out down there. <laughs> Well, and I have to imagine guilt probably 
plays a pretty big role there, right? Because whatever floats to the top, I have to imagine that a lot of us feel guilty about what didn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Parenting guilt, work guilt, uh, saying yes to things because we feel like we have to, or we're trying to keep up with the Joneses or, you know, our boss asks us, so we have to. Uh, Guilt is a huge, huge player in that. And that's one of the things I, I work with people on so deeply is figuring out if you say yes to this, you're saying no to these things. So is that okay with you? You say yes to this, and this thing over here that you really want to make happen has to go away. Like where, where do the emotions trickle into that? Because when you have negative emotions, your entire body system changes. You shoot out different hormones, different stress chemicals that in different ratios than when you're in a positive mindset. And that changes the way that you interact with people, changes the way that you know your boss sees you. It changes the way clients see you and your family and friends, of course, too. So it's really thinking about, yeah, if you say yes to that on paper, that yes looks good, but energetically and vibrationally, you are literally at a lower, more negative place and you're going to have lower and more negative impact on the people around you. So you might be actually doing yourself a disservice because it's not the right time. It doesn't mean you'll never mm-hmm. say yes. It just means right now you shouldn't say yes. So I, you know, I've been reading a lot of your materials and also, like I mentioned before, I actually had the pleasure of hearing you speak and you talk a lot about resiliency and levity. And I think, I mean, what better time to talk about that than now? I, even just this week alone, I've had so many Zoom calls with parents, with kids just crawling over them. My coworker today, oh, it was, you know, I... I get to sit back. I don't have kids. And so for me, I get to sit back and be sort of entertained by this. So (laughs) her kid came over the top of her laptop and all you could see was her nose (laughs) camera. And so I'm looking at this and granted, I I'm fairly young. And so I didn't grow up in this corporate America world where it's like you follow the rules and everything is really strict. Um, I'm in marketing, right? And so we've always had a bit of fluidity there and flexibility. But like, what does this look like when corporate America has to embrace levity and and resilience and flexibility? Well, there is a word that has been percolating in my mind for a while. And that word is equanimity. And then guess who did a whole post about equanimity just like a couple weeks ago? Deepak Chopra, who is one of my like, gurus of wellness and spirituality. And, and, you know, he works with giant companies and individuals on equanimity, which is in a, in super simple terms, finding peace amidst the storm, figuring out like how with the craziness around me, can I find these moments of calm and peace in my day, knowing that it's going to be nutty, right? It's going to be like, this crazy roller coaster. But if I can find the moments, even just a minute or two of breathing, laughing, those things that raise your energy up, like I mentioned earlier, so that you fill your body with the feel good chemicals will absolutely change. It's like a little buzz that you give yourself. Like, you know, you take a shot and you get a buzz, you give yourself a (laughs) shot. I call them power shots in the work that I do. You give yourself a little power shot that one or two minutes, but it creates a little buzz that's sustained for a little while. So you can have a higher mood, less stress, just for a little bit. And that becomes your calm amidst the storm. And you have total control over that. 
any at any moment, you could say, okay, right now, things suck right now. What can I do right now? I can take three deep breaths. I can do a little, you know, crystal meditation. I'm a super hippie, you know, so I do stuff like that. I can, you know, go in and talk to my coworker on a little text chat across town, but we can just kind of like have a quick little happy feel good chat with each other for a minute or two. You know, there are these little things that you have 100% control over to change your energy. And that will then absolutely change how the next couple hours of your life go just with one or two minutes. I I love that concept power shot. That's really interesting. And, and living in hour increments rather than day or week or month increments, I think is is sort of hard to embrace if you've been in that week, month, year increment mentality for so long. I know I'm totally guilty of this. I, I get super serious and, and then people are trying to crack jokes when we're, you know, when we're having a a serious conversation and I, I find myself like inexplicably sort of having none of that. And then afterwards I'm like, why, why did I do that? Like not only for myself, but to shut it down for someone else, like how selfish that is. Yeah. And you know, that's, it's, it's an unconscious reaction that many of us have when we're internally processing cranky resting face that we know the B word, (laughs) you know, B resting face is a real phenomenon. You know, it's, it's a joke in the celebrity world, but there's actually research that shows that in corporate environments, in healthcare, in government, in education, that that cranky resting face is an, an unconscious reaction to stress, right? or to our, our thinking processing skills that are happening in our head. And we don't realize that our face goes into this really serious place. And in our head, we're like displaced from the conversation that's happening. So when you're in that place, you may not even realize that you're doing it. And then, like you said, after you're like, oh my gosh, why did I just shut that down? Because unconsciously, we didn't know that we were even doing it. So it's really critical that you start to become a lot more focused and a lot more aware of your own physical presence in your space, especially on Zoom. Because you know they say like the camera adds 10 pounds. The camera also adds big frowns. <laughs> you know, so like cranky resting face on Zoom is magnified so much because you're closer up. A lot of times lighting isn't that great. So it kind of adds shadows to our faces mm-hmm. that just like make us look more sullen or more serious or even really cranky. So figuring out, like, even on Zoom, not just in person, how are you impacting your space? How are you just ensuring that, okay, right now I may be thinking really hard about something and I might be you know, processing internally, but how can I just change the, just the general persona of, the, of your facial expressions and your body language so that you're more open, you're more approachable, you're more trustworthy when you're like that too. So people you're engaging with in person or virtually will see you as someone they want to hang out with. They trust, they buy into what you have Mm. to say and they want to support you. That's so true. There are so many meetings I'm in with, you know, you go to like, let's say community meetings for organizations and there's like 50 people on and you like scroll through the Zoom slides. And it's just like so many people who look so angry and you know, they're not like, you might be in a very fun meeting or maybe it's like a celebratory meeting for a volunteer group you're a part of and everybody's just like super frowny and it's so it's unconscious like you said yeah well and you know let's be honest everyone's burnt out with zoom everyone's burnt out with virtual meetings so sometimes we are really freaking crabby 
And we don't want to be on another gal dang Zoom call because we're sick of them. Mm-hmm. But you, it, you're still moving up your career ladder. You're still creating relationships. You're still putting yourself out there as someone who wants to be liked and trusted. And you still want to get pay raises and you still want to be, you know, get, make the sale and have your ideas embraced by your coworkers and your clients. So you still, even if it's virtual, you know, I hate the term fake it till you make it, but you really have to consciously pull yourself out of that, that Zoom, you know, where you're just sort of kind of there because you have to be there, but you're not truly engaged. So you're mm-hmm. leaning forward. And I didn't know if we, I don't know if you want all these like Zoom tips, but, you know, lean forward, you know, get a little bit closer to the camera, have some lighting on you so that it's, it's illuminating you from above rather than from below, which can look really kind of creepy <laughs> and really just figure out like, how can I look and feel more energized? Because then you'll energize everyone else on the call around you. Yeah, that's such good advice. So you touched on this a little bit already, but I want to go back to it because I think it's really important. You touched on living in the moment, and I think you've also called that the flow state before. Do I have that right? So tell me about the flow state. What is it? Why does it matter? How do you do it? Well, we've all been in that place where we're in the zone, in that flow state. You know, like for me, if I'm gardening, I can all of a sudden like be planting flowers and like look at my watch and be like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for like four hours. And I was just in it. Like I didn't check my phone. I wasn't wondering what I was doing next. I wasn't thinking about the next meeting. I wasn't thinking about what's, you know, after work. I was in it. We've all been on projects. We've been involved in at work where you're so in it and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to do this next part. And I want to, and you're like, you have so much momentum going and figuring out how to get into that flow state is the key though, right? Because sometimes it just happens unexpectedly. So it's really knowing what are you really good at? Like that, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you kill it. It's your, one of your top superpowers, knowing those things and figuring out how to use those skills more often. You know, if you know, like, you know, you're a musician, right? (laughs) So how can you, you know, do music more often? Maybe someone's a speaker, you know, I'm a speaker. How can you speak more often? Maybe you're a writer. How can you put writing and, and written communication more often? Maybe you're an amazing visual mind mapper. You know, if you're in a marketing meeting, how can you do more visual mind mapping? How do you figure out what you are good at and make that your showcase, make that your persona, use it more often. And that will put you into the flow state. And that's, it's boosting serotonin, it's boosting endorphins, it's boosting all these chemicals in your body that are always in there, but you're changing the ratio of them so that you raise that vibration. You, you're raising that energy so that then you have that impact on everyone around you because they can feel when that all changes. So you, when we last spoke, you said something that I picked up on. I thought it was fascinating. You had said, learn to manage your own roller coaster without judging how others are managing their roller coasters. And I have to imagine that that connects to being in your flow state, living in the moment, reacting, having resiliency. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, remember we talked about, and I, I, I always just like butcher this quote, but it's, we're not you know, there's the quote, oh, we're all in the same boat. We're not all in the same boat. We're in different boats in the same storm. And everyone has different things in their boat. Some people have lots of money and some people don't. Some people have support and some don't. Some are married, some aren't. Some have kids, some don't. Some grew up in a poor household, some don't. Some are different cultures, different races, different sexual orientations. So everyone's boats 
have different things in there to help them either float or sink or be rocky or not. So thinking about, you know, how are you going to navigate your own boat on this in this storm that we're all in? And, you know, if, if you are having financial problems, oh my gosh, that's one of the top stressors in general, regardless of your social class for people. So if you're having financial problems, you are going to naturally be kicking out more stress chemicals at all times. Even at work, if you're having a good day, subconsciously, you know that there's that stack of bills or you haven't made your car payment or, you know, you can't get evicted right now because of, of COVID dynamics, but you haven't paid your rent and you don't know what you're going to do when that restriction lifts. That's always going to be at the back of your mind, dragging down your energy, impacting how you're interacting with others. So figuring out how can you float your boat more effectively with the things that are dragging it down so that you can kind of counterbalance, not work-life balance, you know, that's a myth. How can you counterbalance your boat amidst this storm? Well, and then managers have, well, you know, I don't even want to limit it to managers because I think everybody has the responsibility to help others manage the storm too. But I think it's maybe even more prevalent when we're talking about the workspace. What do managers do to help their employees who are all stressed out by different things all weather that storm together? Uh, right now, leaders and managers are truly being challenged to show their leadership chops because a true leader is able to customize and personalize their relationship with each of their direct reports, with their teams overall, with the culture they're creating in the office by ensuring that they are creating opportunities for people's boats to float. Every time I say boat, I feel like I totally sound Canadian. <laughs> their boats, boats to float. <laughs> But that's, that, that's really a sign of a great leader, right? Is they're able to provide resources, tools, support, so that people can tap into what they need to show up as their best at work, even when things might be hard at home. So, you know, what are the different programs and, and things that are offered at work to employees? That doesn't mean every employee needs to use every one. It means there's multiple things they can tap into to master their own, but the leader is their empowering them, encouraging them to use those services, giving them, you know, what they need to show up as their best every day to work. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are in the sales or marketing space. I'm curious, do you have any advice or things that you are foreseeing in that space in regards to Zoom and remote learning and like everything that we're dealing with as a as a country today? Yeah, well, we know that Zoom, we already talked about this, is really, really draining us a lot. When it first started, it was like something new. And even though it was hard, it was kind of exciting because it was new. Now we're starting to master it. And now we've got cranky Zoom face <laughs> and we're, we're not as excited. So it's figuring out, okay, we want shorter Zoom meetings. We want different, we want to use different apps to communicate. You know, can, is, can this be accomplished not with Zoom? And, you know, I think <laughs> I've seen lots of funny memes about, you know, uh, we used to have a call. Now I have to have a damn Zoom meeting and put on makeup and like, you know, it, and that's good because when you show up as your best, you feel better. But mm -hmm. how can you create shorter virtual situations? And maybe there's going to be, you know, more of them, but they're shorter. They're more focused. It's to make one decision, not 10. You know, uh, I think figuring out how do you get everyone involved? So it's not one talking head and then five screens of individuals. 
it's smaller meetings with everyone having an opportunity to talk, more roundtables, more of those breakout sessions where you know mm-hmm. you have a bigger group and you all go to a breakout session with five people so that everyone can get their ideas heard. Then you come back as a bigger group and you you share out that way. You know, really figuring out how do you allow people when they're in a place where they don't necessarily want to be on Zoom, allow them to really get that, make sure that their words come across, that they're able to use those show- and showcase those skills we talked about earlier that put them into that flow state. And, you know, when you're having a sales call or a marketing brainstorming meeting, those are so hard to do virtually. You just can't read energy. So it's really figuring out how do you allow people's energies to shine in a way that fits what they need to do. One of my favorite things to do over the course ever since March, basically, is whenever I feel it's appropriate, I will go on a walk as they have a Zoom meeting. You know, it doesn't always work. And we're in Minnesota. Both of us are. So now everything's covered in snow and it's freezing out. Right. But just like I I, I think, you know, there's a lot about the Zoom platform and this virtual meeting platform that can be inhibiting when it comes to creativity. But there's also some stuff that you couldn't do before, which is like get up, walk around um, face to face with people who are all over the world. You know, when that probably would have defaulted to a phone call before. Now you're actually getting a little bit of face to face. So it's got its upsides and its downsides. For sure. I'm not anti Zoom at all. We have to have it. And there are so many cool ways. You know, a lot of times when I do like a virtual keynote, where I used to be in a room full of 500 people on a stage, I could go out and I could have people on stage and I could, you know, go out with my microphone out into the audience. I can't do that now. So now I have, my daughter is 13 now, but we still have all of her American Girl dolls. So I have these two American Girl dolls that are my stand-ins, Julie and Pam. I don't have a boy one. So sometimes I just pretend Pam is Jerry and they, you know, have interactions and, you know, is it cheesy? Super cheesy. but it gives another layer of interactivity. It helps you to, to showcase what you're trying to do rather than just being a floating head. And I think that's the challenge for everyone is figuring out, you know, like, are you going on a walk? Is everyone on the team going for a walk right now while you do the Zoom? Because fresh air and sunlight are proven to boost creativity. It's proven through research and science. So how can you find ways to change the dynamic of these virtual interactions? Exactly like you said. So I love, I love that direction. So your analogy about, you know, we're, we're not all in the same boat, but we're weathering the same storm. You talked a lot about how, what that looks like for the employee employer relationship and us personally, but also I think about how prevalent that is with the sales and client relationship or the marketing and sales relationship. That, that is such a good analogy for what everybody's going through, which is Like we're all in our own heads and we have to get out of our own heads in order to empathize with others. So how how have you seen, because I know you talk to a lot of leadership, um, a lot of people in leadership across many, many different large companies. How have you seen them react with the client relationships and how to navigate some of these challenges? Well, right now, most human brains are really overloaded because of the stress response, even though even if you're really good at navigating stress and managing it and you're, you know, you feel pretty good, we still have so much coming at us every single day, new things that are really filling up our brains and creating like mini fight or flight responses in us. 
And the fight or flight response is good. Stress is a good thing. We need it because it triggers us to say, oh, something's here to potentially harm us. And so we need to fix it. We need to change it. We need to do something different so that we're safe from this stressor. And when these little mini fight or flight responses are going off in us, as things continue to pile up, even if you're in a good place, you really have to think to yourself, you know, this is causing brain drain. It's causing brain fog. And I need to figure out how do I lift the brain fog, not just for me, but from everyone I'm interacting with too, whether it's a client, whether it's a person in sales or, or whatever. So the lots of leadership teams and lots of individuals I've talked to in corporate and, and different industries too, are really focusing on those little mini boosters, like I talked about earlier with the power shots, that can help them and the person that they're interacting with at the time. So you get both get into a better headspace because like, you know, like if we had just both gotten on and my dog was back here and he was barking and, you know, you had, you know, something going out on outside construction, outside your house. And like, we just had lots of stressors and neither of us were in it. This would be like a waste of time conversation because we would both be in low vibrational states and it would be kind of just like dull, right? But when we're both in a high vibing place and we're both like, yeah, okay, yeah, so much more gets accomplished because your minds are open to each other, you're, you're both feeling good, and that leads to trust and engagement. So how can you, at the beginning of those conversations with clients or with different departments, create those mini power shots? And it might be simply storytelling. You know, there's tons of speakers and books on storytelling, but it's figuring out how do you have a connection with someone beyond what the, the strategy is right now, like, oh, we're going to talk about selling you this new program. Well, first, let's talk about what's going on, what is stressing you out, and then laughing about it and saying, oh, my God, my dog's back here. And those simplest conversations can give you a little boost of the flow chemicals that will change the dynamics of those relationships as you move forward. It's funny that you use the example of like things going on, construction outside during the Oh, what, not the last vodcast episode, but um, I think it was the one before that. I was here in my house and in the backyard, I all of a sudden, halfway through this episode, see plumes of smoke. <laughs> and we have a little bonfire pit and we had had a bonfire the night before. So FYI, fire safety here. Clearly, we didn't do a good enough job putting it out, but all of a sudden just plumes of smoke and I'm trying to stay like in this conversation but I'm like is is our garage on fire like what's going on uh but and that's exactly what happens is <laughs> when you're distracted by something you're not in the conversation that you're supposed to be in right now not so at all. how do you get your focus back how do you acknowledge that oh my god guess what just happened give me a minute I gotta just like get my crap together here so I can be in this moment, like really acknowledging that people are on these different paths and in these different boats and really having grace for people. You know, if somebody is late, mm -hmm. that sucks. Like it, nobody wants to be late on purpose. So clearly something prevented them from being on time. Give them a little grace, especially in today's world. You know, oh, someone's mm -hmm. kid popped in. There's a fire in someone's backyard. You know, you have to have a grace mentality, honoring yourself while also honoring their needs as well. So I want I want to map out sort of a before and after because you've been working with um, businesses for years now. I'm curious, like, what was the biggest like opportunity concern 
the biggest thing you saw leadership doing wrong before COVID and what is it now? Is it same? Is it different? I'm just curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, it's really interesting because before COVID happened, most of my speaking clients wanted pretty hardcore leadership topics, sales topics, um, you know, bottom line impacting topics, which I'm all about. Like that's what corporate America and businesses are all about. I always would weave in my power shots. I, I talk about energy. I talk about I talk about the soft skills, but those lead to solid results. But still, the focus was always on bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. And about maybe a year before COVID hit, I started doing a lot more education on this soft skills leading to solid results and mm. was doing a lot more of that and got a lot of pushback because I would I would teach laughter yoga to give you the flow state, to put you into the flow state. And I would teach all these creative ways to master your energy in the moment so that you could go into a sales call and be more effective. So you could go meet with a new client and be like super dynamic, but they were things like tapping into your third eye chakra. And I would never say chakra in corporate America. I would say your strategy energy center, but I was teaching some of this stuff and getting a lot of pushback, but guess what my number one requested topics are now? all of that stuff, all of the ways to manage your energy, all the hippie stuff I was teaching. And I still talk about the impact on the bottom line. But now, rather than leading with leadership and leading with sales, when people come to me, they're like, I need to help my team be happier. I need to help, help, help them be happier. I need to help them, you know, what kind of wellness things can they do? So it's really interesting how there's been such a, a shift to what we've always known as important, the human, the individual's health, their wellness, their holistic being is the most important to impact that bottom line. And so now that's what's what's being demanded by leadership more often. Okay, I know what it is because I've been to one of your sessions, but we should probably tell the audience, what is laughter yoga? <laughs> okay, so laughter yoga is literally laughing. But when you laugh, and you start laughing, it's super fake because you make the whole room do it. And you did it right with when we did yeah. when you saw me speak it, and everyone's just like, I say it and I can see their butts clench. They're like, oh my God, this is going to be so stupid. And you can see like walls go up. I'm like, just trust me. We're just going to, we're just going to try it. And I make them stand up and you literally just start laughing. And I have some little <laughs> rules around laughter yoga. And so for a minute, we just laugh. And by the end of the minute, everyone is laughing for real. They might be laughing at me because I look like an idiot. They might be laughing at the person next to them because, you know, they're snorting. It doesn't matter why you're laughing, but you, when you laugh for one minute, you flood your body with feel-good chemicals that will last for hours. I mean, that is the mm. ultimate buzz. And so that's why I teach that because you want to do anything that makes you laugh, still floods your body like that before creative brainstorming, before sales calls, before any type of meeting, before you have to interact with your crabby kids with, who are doing distance learning, before your spouse comes home from work, like laughter truly is the best medicine. And using that, like people are like, oh, you know, our team won't want to do that. But it's the number one most popular thing that I get comments on after <laughs> the best group that I ever had, did it for was a group of union guys, like 50 <laughs> union guys, turbine repair guys. They loved it. So I think people have preconceived notions about what their team needs and wants and have a pushback because something's different than what they're used to. But just because it's different doesn't mean that it's wrong. 
It just means, mm-hmm. hey, let's try it. Let's have, and you know, marketers luckily are most are pretty experimental and open-minded, but I have actually run into a lot of agencies that I've worked with over the years that are pretty traditional and pretty close-minded when it comes to things like that. Sure, they're open-minded with a, mm-hmm. an advertising message, but when it comes to opening up your third eye so that you can think more effectively when you're creating those messages, push back. But now mm-hmm. it's just opening up so many different doors as people are seeing the impact of our work and life right now and the things that are actually helping to calm the storm in our boats. <laughs> I, I totally see that. You know, at, you know, our agency focuses very heavily on empathy and empathy based marketing. And I think that has a tendency, especially if you're in like a hard lined corporate world. And we work with a lot of, let's say, B2B manufacturers or logistics companies where people are like they're there, they're there for business, they're there to for profits, you know. And so you say something like, we need to get empathetic with our messaging. And it's sort of like, eh, okay. Like, but now it it is totally different. People are like, yes, we we do. We do need more of that because I think COVID and all the craziness since March has forced us all to be on this level playing field of like, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows the answer. Nobody knows how to navigate it. And yeah, I think it's had a really interesting effect on some of the, I don't know if you'd call them like soft. I, I don't know if they're soft skills or what they are, but they're not like the hard lines, like here's how we increase profits. Um, when, when, when you told that story about laughter yoga and the union guys, it reminds me of this story that I had heard probably from another podcast. Um, it was, I think it was BP had this big oil rig and um, oil rigs are very dangerous, dangerous places to work. And the leader of this small team on the oil rig did the unconventional thing to bring in a, a business consultant that focused on um, vulnerability and empathy with that small team. And it's all these like burly dudes that are like, ugh, gross. Like, I don't want to tell you my life story or my struggles, but they ended up doing that and were able to get on to just such a deeper level with each other. And that the data, so you look at it years down the road and how many accidents they've had on site and, and all and the profitability and the efficiency and all of these things, they outperformed everyone. And it's like, oh, there is so much value here. We just have to believe in it and then let the data show that later. Yeah. And, and you know, it's really about giving people a safe space mm-hmm. and letting them because no one will ever become vulnerable or show any of those feelings until you've gotten them comfortable and into a safe space, which is why laughter yoga and, and getting them laughing first changes their body so they feel more safe. The fight or flight response is calmed down. And, mm-hmm. you know, same with when you create connection with someone through storytelling, you know, you're building the trust first and then they feel safe. You know, all of these, you know, again, air quote, soft skills are critical to creating these lasting changes that we really want to see happening in corporate America and other industries as well beyond that with healthcare and government and education. So I just I love that you told that story. It's it's really powerful. So I'm going to throw a scenario at you. Let's say we (laughs) surprise. Um, Let's say we shut down again. And I know 
that we've as a nation been talking about this already. Let's say we shut down again for a long period of time. Let's say it's past six weeks. Let's say it's for months. What happens? Like, what do we I, I don't care if it's personal, corporate, whatever. Like, what do we have to be doing to prepare for that storm? Well, it's again really interesting because, you know, there's extroverts that are going to be all, that are, you know, just like when the first shutdown happened. And as we've been, you know, slowly evolving out of it, but now we're looking like it's going backwards. Extroverts are in a boat where they really have struggled with that. I'm an introvert. So during the shutdown, I was happy as a clam. So again, it comes down to knowing yourself and then also being aware of other people and really saying, okay, what do I need? And looking at your past and saying, okay, you know, what worked last time? What has worked for me during other rough times in my life? Not just COVID related, but anytime you've lost a loved one or you've lost a job or you've been in financial issues or health problems, what has worked then and what hasn't? And make sure you're erring on the side of what's worked. Because life is an experiment. We talked about that earlier. And if we shut down again, you really have to be sure you are a scientist during that time. That You're saying, here's what worked before. So this is what I'm going to carry forward. But as I experiment, I have to be open to being okay with like, okay, that didn't work. So let me try something else. Or you know what? I am going to try doing a crystal meditation. I've never done it and it's weird, but maybe it'll help. It helps millions of other people. You know, so really being open-minded, uh, really carving out times for those little power shots throughout your day. You know, one or two minutes of just, you know, even if you're sitting down and like flipping through a magazine or, you know, going and playing a video game for five minutes or going for a walk for two minutes or playing with your pet. It's truly, it's these little short power shots that will make all the difference. And people are always say to me, they're like, duh, I already knew that. But are you doing it? Because if you're not doing it, then anything can be a duh thing, right? So really having personal responsibility and accountability, like you just said, that's going to be critical if we shut down again to say, what do I need and how am I going to actually do it? Not just think about doing it. Well, and I think it's it's tough because we're also entering the holiday season, right? And it's, at least in Minnesota, it's gotten pretty bad. It's gotten much worse than it has been. And so I think we're all faced with a lot of conflict and stress. So, okay, I've been following you since I heard from you a couple of years ago, but I've been stalking you especially close the last couple of weeks, knowing that we're going to have this conversation. <laughs> Don't be creeped out. Um, uh, but you, you have this happy, healthy holiday exercise thing that you're doing, right? What is that? Yeah. So every couple of months, I do these free five-day challenges focused on different current events that are happening. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a five-day stress detox challenge. And again, they're free. Every day there's a prize. Every day you get a couple of action steps. Like in the last one, there was a day where I literally had you go do one thing to clear out like one area of your house that's a micro stressor. The micro stressor is like something that seems small, but it's repetitive, like a squeaky door, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And, you know, I had almost 200 people as part of that group. We had a blast, you, you know, go. people got so much out of it. So now with the holidays coming up, the next one is December 14th through 18th. And again, it's totally free. It's five days. You just have to go sign up and download the workbook that just helps you follow along. Ooh. And every, it's going to be kind of, it, it's your, the happy, healthy holiday challenge. 
And every day, if like choose your own adventure, I will give three options of something you can do to just be less stressed, to be healthier, to be happier during the busy holiday season. And, you know, you can choose. Maybe I'll, I'll suggest like, okay, go outside and I literally want you to stand outside with no shoes or socks on so that you can feel more connected to the earth. So you can do a, a hippie one. You can do one that's more like goal oriented where like, okay, go uh, send a text to someone and tell them you appreciate them. You know, there's like all kinds of things that are these mini power shots and you just have to choose one every day. It's just going to boost oh, you up, going to give you that little sustained buzz through a really stressful time in the world and in the seasonal piece of it with the holidays. I love that. I kind of want to call you like the corporate hippie. <laughs> That's, and it's funny because I often say hippie honchos. Like, okay, like you're a corporate honcho, like, but you're, mm. you're also a hippie. And that's really just because I, I do it. some of this hippie stuff doesn't mean I'm not like a super researcher and a super nerd. And mm -hmm. I don't do anything unless I've done the scientific research behind it to be sure it's real. Like, you know, crystals, okay, they're pretty, but there's a whole branch of, of science called geology. So that's why these have different actual metaphysical and scientific Hours that they can have in your work in your life. So, you know, yeah, I'm a hippie, but I make it scientifically focused so that you know why it works and it's a little bit more palatable for those who are skeptical. <laughs> I love that. Okay, we have had such a good conversation. Uh, to close it out, I guess I just ask if there's any one piece of advice that you would give to all of our viewers, our listeners as they enter the holiday season and 2021, which is insane that it's already almost 2021. Yeah. I just always like to reassure people that you are already awesome and amazing. You don't have to change a bunch of things. Everything that you need to create the life and the career that you want is already inside of you. It's just a matter of figuring out, you know, how do you tap into that? How do you use your skills and your assets to the best of your ability? How do you showcase what you're best at so you can be in the flow state more often? How do you identify what energizes you so you do those more often and identify what triggers you so you do those less more often? I mean, you've got it. You Guys, gals, whoever's watching, you've got everything you need. So just being more aware of it and figuring out, you know, what's floating to the top of that bucket and what you're putting in your boat to help you weather the storm is really, really critical. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. Thanks for like putting on makeup and joining another Zoom call. <laughs> I appreciate on a Friday. What am I thinking? Thank you so much. I appreciate your insights and I know our audience will as well. Thanks so much for having me. Can't wait to chat again. Yes. And thank you to all of you who are watching and listening. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your favorite podcast. I will see you next time.